Hello, and welcome to Breast Cancer Conversations, a podcast brought to you by survivingbreastcancer.org. I'm Laura Carfing, breast cancer survivor and founder of survivingbreastcancer.org, a nonprofit organization providing community, education, and resources to empower those diagnosed with breast cancer and their caregivers from day one and beyond. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to Breast Cancer Conversations. Today, we continue the conversation with Glenn. If you remember from last week, we got introduced to Carenza, the young and vibrant 22-year-old diagnosed with breast cancer. She won people over wherever she went, and that was one of the, the biggest things that I'll never forget about her. I, I thought, she's making this really big commitment moving out here to Boston, uh, leaving, away, leaving her all friends and family behind. Um, I need to make a big commitment. So on January 23rd, 2017, in the middle of a blizzard, I asked her to marry me. I felt a bump. Really? Yeah. And immediately we went, um, I feel a bump. You said that like you stopped, stopped in your tracks? right like... in the middle and said, there's a bump. It's a definite bump. We went back and we met with the breast surgeon. She said, I can't say it for certain, but I'm 99.9% .9 sure you have breast cancer. Today, we bring you further along in her journey through the eyes and voice of her husband. We hear about the wedding planning, finding the right dress, and the serendipity of choosing music and having their rings engraved, all while navigating the aftermath of breast cancer and tamoxifen. While this podcast is in the narrative format, going into great detail of this fairy tale love story, it is also packed with information regarding a double mastectomy, radiation, and how to have these tough conversations with loved ones as well as the personal turmoil we experience while embracing our new bodies and how clothes just never fit right again. We continue to celebrate Carenza and the open honesty her husband illuminates for us regarding a breast cancer diagnosis and the onset of recurrence. Welcome to the conversation. Her, her mom flew out. Uh, from Washington, spent the next few days with us. We met with the oncology team. Uh, so we had the radiation oncologist, the surgical oncologist, and the medical oncologist. And we came up with the plan. And so she needed to have a biopsy and and see what really we're dealing with. And so the day of the biopsy, her mom was there, was able to go back with her. I sat in the waiting room and stressed. Um, and so they had it. And then we left and we realized we needed to pick up some supplies for comfort. So she needed a spa that zipped up in the front. Yes. Um, so her mom and I took a trip to Target. So just the two of us. And it was quiet. And then there were conversations of, are you going to be able to handle this? Do you want to handle this? Her mother's asking you. Yes. Okay. And absolutely 100%. If Karenza wants to stay here then I will do whatever I can to help her, make her comfortable, whatever. It's like, okay. Wow. It's like, all right, this is what we're doing. So we had to pick up just a few things at Target, and there was one instruction that Karenza gave us. No pink. Absolutely okay. no pink. So we picked up something pink. It was a pink <laughs> notebook, just you know, because we had to. So we got a sports bra, and now we had to get it on her. It was a two-person job. And it was hilarious standing in our living room and we got one arm in, then the other arm in, and I'm pulling one side and her mom's pulling the other and we got it 
uh, got the zipper in and then we're trying to zip it and Krenz is going, oh, yeah. And so we finally get that up and we just cracked up because another surreal moment of, you know, who would have thought that, right. you know, we'd be zipping up a sports bra in our living room with mm-hmm. our mom. Uh, so her mom stayed a few days and there was a couple of other funny things. There was a time Krenz was showering. Mom and I were sitting in the living room and we heard like a little crash in the bathroom. And both of us jumped up and busted through the door <laughs> and pulled back the shower curtain and just didn't like, what are you doing? Oh my god! Okay? She's like, I dropped the shampoo. Oh yeah. And that makes the worst yes. noise too. <laughs> so it was just cracking up. She's like, can I shower now? Yeah. So we had real, you know, funny moments during that time. Um, so. And is this after the biopsy or after the surgery? After, after the, the biopsy. biopsy. Okay. Yeah. So the plan was eight rounds of chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. So eight rounds, eight sessions, I guess, every other week for... 16 weeks um surgery so Mm -hmm. she opted for a bilateral double mastectomy um and uh uh, and then radiation so it turns out she had stage 3b Mm. breast cancer with lymph lymph node involvement so along with the double mastectomy she also had a lymph node dissection dissection yeah yeah, I had uh, one of those, and yeah. I'm still wearing my sleeve and everything because of the lymphedema that yes. comes with it. Yes. So she, yeah. Ugh. So, um, do you know what type of breast cancer this it was? It was uh, HERC negative, ERPR positive. Okay. Mm-hmm. HERC, HER. Her two. Her two. Yes. yes. Thank you. The HER two, two negative. negative. Yep. All right. Um, yeah. So then, first day of chemo. And she was, she had this beautiful, thick, curly black hair. Um, she was half Puerto Rican. So she had just that curly, gorgeous hair that it was her pride. She would spend a ton of time and product on that (laughs) hair. And so that was her biggest concern. Not biggest concern, obviously, but it was, I'm going to lose my hair. This is, what am I going to do? I'm like, you're going to be cute no matter what. Don't worry. Um, so her first day of chemo. She had a port placement, of course, um, so that was okay, and she came out of it fine. You know, her heart rate always spiked after surgery, so that was a fun event. But did they was, do the port placement the same day as the first round of chemo? It was two days before. Two days before. So I've yeah. heard stories too. Just um, so mine was the same day, which freaked me out because I just remember going down like on the stretcher to get my port placed and then here I am going into like a minor surgery for it and then immediately followed by the most toxic drugs you can imagine and I'm just thinking like infection galore right but they're like no this is like what we do and I'm like this does not sound okay to me but I guess we'll just go through with it and you know I've heard other stories too where it's almost better I think to kind of break it up where you get your port placed you have time to not heal a hundred percent but like it's not all at once right so okay i'm always curious to see how other hospitals and doctors you know have that um, sequencing yeah and everything was kind of rushed with her too so of i'm course. surprised it wasn't the same day um before actually even before the port placement um they recommended that she go to the uh fertility fertility doctor to see him again sure. she's 22 so let's and see if um she can preserve eggs for the chance that she would want to have kids later on and so we went there and doctor said okay it will be about a week week and a half three weeks or so uh, before we can do this however your cancer is so aggressive if you wait longer it could progress Mm. so she did not have the opportunity to even preserve eggs 
So, and that was something that really weighed on her for the rest of her life where she, she, at first, when we first met, she's like, I don't think I want kids. And then she's like, I kind of want kids. And we would always talk about, um, we would always talk about how if we ever had a, a little girl, how adorable she would be. And we'd talk about how, oh, she needs to have your crazy curly hair. And yeah. and that became kind of like a mini dream for us that sure. we're going to have, you know, a little baby, you know, part of each of us. Right. And then um, where the eggs couldn't be um, preserved at the time, it was like, all right, well, let's see what happens after. Mm-hmm. So um, then she had the port. And the first day of chemo, um, keeping with tradition on big things with us, it was a blizzard <laughs> so we're there oh, and man. i remember sitting there and watching the snow outside and just watching the nurses come in gowning up in these biohazard suits that she's like oh yeah i'm like this is going in her body it's like oh yeah oh and, and they have like the gloves and everything right. like i can't touch it but we're gonna inject this directly into you right <laughs> yeah yeah so it was like okay we're, we're doing this so she did it, and she was there and she was making jokes and one of the things that we would always joke about was lose the tumor, keep the humor. Oh, um, I love that phrase. Yeah. Our neighbor made t-shirts for us. He made a blue one for me and a pink one for her that said that on it. And we'd wear them frequently. Um, we had shirt, t-shirts made up and that we would um, sell to friends and family that said fight with Carenza and had a little like pink ribbon and, and a, like a warrior pose, I guess. So we'd wear those and just really let's let's do this. Um, after the first probably two chemo rounds, her hair started thinning, mm. and she said, "Okay, it's I don't want to lose it slowly." So um, one day she's like, "I'm ready." She got out of the shower. She goes, "Look at this clump that just came out, and it looked like a small poodle was in her hand." She's like, "Let's let's do this." So. Um, I'm a bald man, so I have clippers and full uh, accessories to shave heads. So we went in there and we did it. And she goes, take pictures. I want to document this. So she took the first cut. She took a handful of her long hair that was probably down to her middle back while curly. Wow. And she cut it at her shoulders. And then we buzzed it down with no attachment on the clippers to basically bald and she looked adorable wow. like it was she was still just as gorgeous and it was very an emotional time and you know the night before we or the yeah a couple of days before we took pictures of her and her hair and just kind of memorialized her then before it all happened and so she went into work she worked like almost full time when wow. she could she went into work with her shaved head and everyone's like you're beautiful you're gorgeous and did she contemplate getting like a wig at all or was it just no okay she wore um uh, headbands or headscarves Mm -hmm. again it was winter so she learned you know winter hats and headscarves were her friend Mm -hmm. and she looked cute and she made it work and the the headscarf she got she would get ones that had kind of a longer back to it so it was almost as if her hair was there Mm -hmm. so it had that that kind of 
familiarity with it. Yeah, you can feel it. Yeah. And stuff. I remember, and I'll have to show you a picture after this. Um, I was watching YouTube videos of how to braid scarves. And so I would wrap my head with like two or three scarves and do like a braid and like pretend it was hair just to feel like there was something long that I can like, you know, whip around my head. Um, but I was the same way. I didn't wear a wig either. I think the only time I wore a wig was on Halloween because I felt like everyone else was getting dressed up. But other than that, when I tried to wear a wig to go out, I felt so self-conscious that one, I wasn't being true to myself and that everyone must have known. They could tell that I was wearing a wig. And so for me, it was also a very easy decision to say, you know what, it's you know October, Halloween, going into the Christmas season, like mm. winter, the hats were my best friend. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's, she made it work. And oh, forgot. So because nothing is ever easy with Carenza, we always called it the Carenza factor whenever it came to medical issues. Because <laughs> um, again, <laughs> Breast cancer at 22. Uh, yeah. After her first round of chemo, um, went home, and again, in the blizzard, and got her, we have 13 steps up to our, our house, and got her into bed, and she's comfortable, and she's like, my legs really hurt. I was like, yeah, they said it might might hurt. So then, overnight, she was like, this really hurts. This It hurts, to the point where she couldn't walk. I would have to carry her into a desk chair, and wheel her to the bathroom oh, and wow. she just could not walk so I'm like this is not this you know this can't be normal so the next day she suffered through that all day and night on a thursday so the friday um she called the doctor and i was outside and i shoveled everything and and the doctor said that's not normal get in here oh, so wow. her. otherwise you would think it's like a side effect from the chemotherapy right. or something okay. and that was something they said you might have leg pain from the chemotherapy Right. So we thought, okay, this, wow, they weren't kidding. So got her you know, downstairs into the car, wheelchair through the cancer center. And luckily the one that we went to was only about 20 minutes from us. Okay. So That's it was great. a satellite office of Dana-Farber. Wonderful. Um, so wheeled her in there and they took one look at her and she slumped over in the chair. She's pale. She's in pain. And they brought her right back to an infusion um, room and put her on saline and then Benadryl. She mm-hmm. had an allergic reaction to the steroids they give with the chemo. Oh, wow. So, again, the Carenza factor is in play there. Um, so, it's like, that's not normal pain. <laughs> it will be sore wow. and painful, but it not was... debilitating. Yeah, she said it felt like her bones were crushed, like being crushed. Oh. So, that was that first experience. And we got home and she felt better after, as soon as the, the IV yeah. Benadryl hit, she felt 10 times better. Yeah. And, and the steroids are supposed to help you like manage the nausea and everything else that comes with the chemotherapy. Right. So was that no longer an option for her moving forward? She had to take, they cut the dose, I think, in half, mm-hmm. but it's still, she had to take it. And luckily for that, um, that chemo, I can't remember what it is, but for that chemo, I remember it's AC, but I don't know the full. Oh yeah. The adriamycin uh, and yes. cytoxin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was Dethamecadon, I think was mm. the, or something to that effect, and I just mm-hmm. butchered that, but... Um, I know, it's like a new vocabulary yes. with all the words. Yeah, something like that. For the steroid, they had to cut that, so she had extra nausea, she had a little more oh. pain, She, but she worked, she would take long baths, she would do anything she could to help it, and she never really complained about it. 
Mm. And I was like, complain, tell me how you're feeling. It's okay. She's like, no, no, no. Mm. So she was incredibly strong throughout it. And she definitely had her moments where, you know, she had the why me moments, which I think I would always talk about her strength and her courage and her bravery. And she had that absolutely. But then there were the moments that she had where she wondered, can I do this? And she fought through those times, which I think is from everyone I've talked to, it's pretty normal to have these self-doubt moments of, you know, can I do this and why me? And and she, you know, pulled through and kept working and kept living. We would still go out occasionally when she was feeling good. We'd go to movies and she'd wear a mask and mm-hmm. gloves. And it was just our new normal. That was everything yeah. that we kept saying. This is the new normal. We can do this. Absolutely. There is um, a restaurant that William and I used to frequent. We still frequent. And um, we actually held our very first survivors and friends meet and greet there because they've seen the progression of me before cancer, me going through cancer, losing my hair. Um, It was, you know, that was a big concern for me. Like, we like to go out. We like to go on dates. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to look so different. Like, what is the wait staff going to say when they see that I'm bald? Or at first it was... um, you know, like, oh, you cut your hair to a pixie cut. Like, you look so cute. I'm like, yeah, I'm sick. Or like, you know, just how do we let the public know? And it ended up being like a phenomenal restaurant, great, great managers and wait staff to the point where my parents, the night before my surgery, when they flew out from Chicago to be with me, we all went there and it wasn't this like sad, oh my God, you're going into um, surgery. It's we were laughing. We were talking about plans for like after surgery, we're going to go take a vacation, um, you know, just keeping it really joyful. And, you know, that was for me part of the support system there too, is how can we still maintain some level of normalcy in this sphere of crazy, right? Yeah. And I think that was critical for I think, our whole relationship and that no matter what was thrown at us, we kept things going as normal as we could mm-hmm. and I, I you know when I've had some friends reach out to me saying um I was just diagnosed can you help you know my husband yes it's like yes absolutely this is try to just live the new normal and mm-hmm. that's you uh, find out what you can still do to be you and keep going yeah and that's you know something that I learned from cancer. she's like no oh, no I have cancer but I'm not cancer you know her the 16 weeks went by and it was great and then we had the appointment for um she opted for the double mastectomy and so we got to talk about tissue expanders and then uh implants after that and she would joke about the whole thing and that's how she kept her humor through it and she would talk about like oh i'm going to get bigger or smaller and just <laughs> it was just her her joke like her oh yeah. they're going to be fake now so we have to change the names from rita and lola to something else <laughs> something you know sure. um can i ask a couple of questions of course, about this please. um so did she have an option for a lumpectomy at all or was it just based on the type of cancer she had the mastectomy was the way to go the mastectomy was the way to go it was either unilateral or bilateral got it okay um, it was just at that point it was 10 centimeters so wow. four inches long, okay. four inch tumor, and then a couple in her lymph nodes were two inches. So okay. it had progressed beyond that point. Sure. And how did you guys have that conversation? I know that that's something that comes up. Like once you find out you have breast cancer and you're telling a loved one, 
you know, you're going through like physical changes also in surgery and options of single, double, expanders, all the different options of um, reconstruction afterwards or even the option of going just flat. How was that dialogue between the two of you? It, I, again, I defaulted to her. Um, and that was my thought. Was, I'm going to love you regardless. Oh. So whatever your decision is, whatever you're going to be comfortable with, let's do that. And the decision to go with implants over the flap was kind of made for because it, she opted for the double because she didn't want to have to worry about, you know, it coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and she thought might as well do it both now so they can kind of look the same as you exactly. know as I age 100% okay and came the the expanding time mm. which was appointments where we'd drive um, from our house on the south shore of Massachusetts to Boston and she would have saline inflated or inflated saline put into them so it would expand mm-hmm. and it helps the skin stretch and the muscle stretch and the drive home was just incredibly painful because oh. Boston roads have more potholes than road. Yes. And so I'm trying to avoid them, but you can't avoid them. And I'm going slow. And she's like, oh. Um, I remember that driving home yeah. after my surgery. Yes. Even I was like, go slow. <laughs> These like turns, the potholes, the bumps. Oh, my gosh. Like note to who's ever driving you home <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Yes, that is that's an adventure for sure last day of radiation when she got their certificate i had a business trip so i was traveling oh wow okay but it was was kind of fitting because that day i had to present and part of what i was presenting was about her so it it worked out very well um so she sent me a picture of her you know and then um then she went back for testing or or scans and the words cancer free Mm. finger quotes cancer free sure you know uh celebrate and then she got the um left side expanded again you know slowly it can't just all be pumped all in at once and so she felt a little more complete and that was october of 2017 so it was about 10 month ordeal and so we uh we celebrated and was just loving loving life um and then trying to think what else so during that 10 month period how did your boys react so when you eventually told them you know they're still young and they're in love with miss k and now all of a sudden she's losing her hair going through treatment losing you know a significant part of her body how do you have that conversation with the boys we told them what was going on told them that she had breast cancer and but said you know it was caught in time so she can have surgery she's going to lose her hair she's going to be sick so if there are days that you even have sniffles we have to stay away uh, make sure you wash your hands a lot uh, mm-hmm. so we taught them that and they were okay with it and they yeah. accepted and they told you know friends and they're like oh okay but they were generally okay okay that's you know great. she still came yeah. out and and you know we all watched movies together and we mm-hmm. did things when she was feeling up for it and uh, and then there were times where she wasn't they understood and then after her surgery uh with the i'm getting ahead of myself but she had eventually the um the swap from the expanders to the um implants our you know she's now 12 so it was, it was probably 10 ish 10 11 uh we're telling them like all right so this is gonna happen it's gonna be another surgery where you know it's mm-hmm. just 
and he was all embarrassed like miss k's getting new boobs <laughs> and he's like okay but is this going to be the last one the last surgery and she's like well yeah but in 10 to 15 years i'll have to get other ones mm. he's like why she's like well you, they kind of you know it's what you do there, yes. there's a shelf life for mm-hmm. it he's like oh wait blurts out miss k has disposable boobs <laughs> and that became just the running joke from that point on sure. so yeah. um and it was just funny. And that's how they did. We just kept it a little light with them. You know, here's, you know, people mm-hmm. can die from this, but the doctors are great. We're in the best place in the country for this, arguably. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, she's still Miss K. And that's yes. the important thing. Uh, so during this time, we, after she was in the in-between time, we call it, mm-hmm. uh, the remission, the cancer-free. Um, yeah. So tell me about this time. So like she's starting to you know, get back to that new normal, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's, you said she was working through all of this. Yes. Um, she's starting to feel more like herself. Um, she has her exchange surgery. What else is going on um, outside of cancer land at this time? Well, at this time, she had some internal struggles that I don't think anybody knew about uh, where she felt like parts of her was lost. So at this point, she's 23 and all of our friends, you know, social media became toxic to her where all of our friends were going out and having fun. They're partying. They're doing this. They're having kids. They're getting married. And she's like, I'm a cancer survivor. So it really got mm. down. So I think at this point she needed validation of other sorts of how do I feel more like me? So she mm. struggled with that a bit. And um, even at the time, it was something that she didn't really talk to me about. So, you know, she worked through it and did better. She did a lot of mindfulness practicing. She did um, a lot of learning about herself during this time. Um, but we started talking about, all right, when it got into 2018, we're now mar- um, engaged for two years. Let's get married. It's like, okay, let's let's pick a date that's going to work. And we're a little hesitant because um, the last time we talked about marriage was two days before her initial doctor's appointment. Mm. So we were torn. She wanted a destination wedding, almost like an elopement. And we were torn between two places. And we thought, let's sleep on it. We'll talk after the appointment tomorrow. So, oh, wow. okay. so we were hesitant. Like, all right, is this yeah. bad karma? Should we not get married? Right. What are it's we doing? It's kind of like a trigger, right? You're like, right. last time we talked about this, it didn't end so well. Like, yeah. I got cancer. So, yeah. So we were driving mm-hmm. and we're going, all right, I think it was around February. It was around her birthday. Blizzard? Um, no blizzard? No blizzard <laughs> on this one. It was actually a pretty warm day. It may have been like even April. It's like, all right, do we want to get married? Yeah, let, let's pick a date. What's going to work? So we're thinking, we're thinking, we're thinking. And we said, we got it. 81818, August 18th, 2018. Perfect. It's a Saturday. It works out great. And then like, great. Yay. Um... So I like numbers that are easy to remember. One, two, three, eight, one, eight. It, uh, it helps. But um, so we just kind of you know, celebrated and had fun and didn't like need to plan too much because she wanted a very small wedding. Um, and like her and I, just, that's it. Right. Um, so we talked about it and just kept having fun. We trying to think 2018. Yeah, we just worked and went out and just celebrated us, our relationship, our love. We were planning the wedding and she was still going through some 
some post-surgery issues, I guess. Um, so after the surgery, she got some lymphedema and had to go through some physical therapy to get her arm movement back. She couldn't lift it very high over her head. Um, our biggest joke at that point was uh, her hot flashes or power surges. Power um, surges. Power surges. Oh, I like that one. Yeah. She would joke. She's like, I'm 24. Well, yeah, at that time, 24, and I'm getting hot flashes. This is great. And we would laugh about it. Again, just her laughter and, you know, it was one minute she's cold, next minute she's hot. And it was great. I said, your body's just going to create a thunderstorm at this point. <laughs> um, the Crestnet effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she, you know, Carenza was just always smiling. And so when we decided to get married, it was, okay, now we need to pick out rings. We need to get a wedding dress. We need to find an officiant. We need to do all these things. And she's like, I know, I know, I know. And then it was a delay, a delay. Like we need to do this. And now it's May, June. Like, all right, wedding's coming up in like six weeks. She couldn't find a dress. Then she found one. It was her. It was just um, off one shoulder, fitted, long, white. It was just beautiful. And we picked out our rings and um, we both wanted to have something inscribed on them, but we didn't want each other to know. Oh, okay. So we uh, went to the jeweler and we explained that's what he wanted. And what I wanted was her, she had such tiny fingers and I mean, she was just five, two little spitfire of a woman. She, uh, these little tiny fingers and she didn't want a big ring and her engagement ring, um, was even the the stone was a carrot and again she was so different she loves purple mm-hmm. and she wanted an amethyst for a stone oh nice so it was you know carrot amethyst and just a simple band uh so she just wanted a simple wedding band and it was too thin to get what i wanted to put on there mm. so i worked with the jeweler and i put half of it on her engagement ring and the other half on her um wedding band oh very nice and then she had put something put on my wedding band so Got that done. She has a dress. We found the officiant who just lived down the street from us. Oh, wonderful. And it all came together. Yeah. So we drove around Plymouth and we found an amazing spot. Because we'd always go out to Plymouth to go out and we'd go dancing yeah. there. She would dance and I would awkwardly stand there and move. Um, so we found this place that was perfect and we loved it. I'm like, all right, let's, let's do this. And so I called on it. Booked. They had five weddings there that they wanted. Wow. Turns out 81818 is pretty popular. And this is a beautiful, like, public garden. I had this other place, which was just down the street. Um, and it had a pond and a nice wooden bridge. So I showed her, she's like, this is perfect. This is where we're going to get married. Awesome. Um, so that was all, all the boxes were checked. Everything came out okay. great. Dress, rings, location, yes. efficient. It yes. was perfect. We wrote our own vows. We, um, and it was funny and it was us and it was great just perfect i recited a poem that i knew she would have liked and she recited one that was one of her favorites and the officiant recited a poem that we both really liked so it was just all these things that came together um and then i asked my brother i'm like i'm going to give you a bluetooth speaker after you know the officiant announces us as husband and wife can you play this song so there's a song, uh, Close Your Eyes, by Michael Buble. The night that we first met, we danced to that song. It was 
um, a song we would always dance to whenever the visits were over. It was like our you know anniversary song. It was just that song. So the um, so the ceremony ends, and then the music starts. As I found out, we forgot to bring the speaker, but luckily the cell phone speaker was loud enough. And she laughed, and I laughed, and we're dancing. Apparently, I asked my brother to bring the speaker to play the song. She asked my sister-in-law to bring the speaker and play the same song. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. So we you know, danced, and we had great pictures of it. And then um, we took everybody that was there for smoothies down at the Plymouth waterfront, because why not? Yeah. And then we drove to, and then we get in the car. And the sun shining bright. We get in the car to start driving to Boston. The rain opened up. Mm. It held off just enough. Just enough. And wow. we went to an amazing hotel and had a wonderful dinner and just celebrated us. And then the next day, spent all day at the Museum of Science and saw everything. And she got a t-shirt with a T-Rex that said hangry as a reminder. <laughs> uh, so it was just a wonderful weekend that was us. Yeah. It sounds like it's so special. Yeah. And then on my wedding band, she had the words, close your eyes. The name of the song? Yes. Okay. And then on her wedding band and um, engagement ring, I had two lines of the song. Did you really? Yeah. And you guys didn't song. know? We didn't know at all. Unplanned. Wow. Just. Like kindred spirits. Yeah. Like clearly connected. Absolutely. Just. Wow. We were always like that from the moment we first started texting. During the, the off year, as we called it. Um, she would get sick, right? Just not feel well. And was always that panic of, okay, what is this? What is this? Is it a recurrence? Is, And it never was. And then she was just in a lot of pain. Her pain never really went away in her hips or, or anything. So from the, the chemo, it just stayed with her. Um, so she was still on pain medication for well, half the year. And then she weaned herself off yeah. uh, with doctor's supervision. Was she on, after her surgery, was she on any like aromatase inhibitors or tamoxifen? She was on tamoxifen. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, so that had, of course, had the side effects. Like, oh, absolutely. Like the yeah. joint pain, the, yes. like and, everything. The... Yeah. And she had rheumatoid arthritis as well. Because of the drugs? Uh, a little or... bit before, but then okay. it just kind of exasperated it after. Sure. And she also had ulcerative colitis, which like she was, again, the Carenza factor. Right. Anything that could go wrong would um so and of course with the the rheumatoid arthritis and even the um ulcerative colitis steroids are the way to treat it and mm -hmm. she's allergic to almost all steroids wow. so she just carried on and i don't know how she survived but yeah she made it work for her um so you're going through this period of yeah marriage now yes. you're heading into the fall gearing up for thanksgiving mm -hmm. and you were kind of alluding to the fact that you're trying to figure out this new life now that you're married together right. you just went through this traumatic health breast cancer experience and you're kind of coming to terms with like wow i would have never thought at 24 like this would be my life right right and like it's so great that you guys are able to spend this time together when i think thanksgiving can be so stressful with 
extended family and it's supposed to be a very happy time but a lot of times people end up just drinking too much because you're with all these crazy in-laws and you know spending hours and hours in the kitchen cooking and cooking for like a 15 minute scarfing down all the food that you can possibly get in your mouth and then pass out over football right Right. (laughs) so it's just the two of you having like the time of your life enjoying each other's presence things together so like we're going to make this happen 2019 we're going to do it um so the saturday after thanksgiving she it wasn't feeling great no big deal so we went to bed and it was about 11 o'clock at night where she had a severe stomach pain again ulcerative colitis something new it's like all right let me go get the heating pad so i went and got the heating pad heated up put it on there and it wasn't working it wasn't working mm. and it was pain i'd never seen her being without having a surgery or anything really? so i was like all right you need to go to the hospital so we drove to the hospital and just like all right we're thinking all right kidney stone or gallstone or something like that is just kind of where the pain was it sounds like she has to be um she's not the type to easily want to go to the hospital right so she is in excruciating pain where you're like okay i'm checking myself in right and she would cut her finger off and be like i'll just get the thread before going (laughs) to the hospital so she hated going and so like all right we'll we'll just go to the hospital you know i'm sure we'll be tonight tomorrow you'll be you know fine and so we went to the hospital and they couldn't get the pain to go down with IV meds. And at this point, she had her port removed. Um, so IV meds, nothing was touching it. And then, so like, all right, we need to go give you an ultrasound just to see what's going on. Like, is it a liver? Is it not liver? Um, gall, gallbladder? Is it kidney stones? Is it ovary? So they bring her back and they wheel it back in and just waiting, waiting, waiting. And they came back like all right so you have an ovarian cyst that's pretty big and it's starting to have it twist we're gonna have to watch that because um you know if it gets any bigger than it twists then we'll have to do surgery like okay great not ideal but okay um so we're there and like oh by the way you might want to give your oncologist a call on monday i'm like why like see some spots on your liver wait wait what? what exactly um, okay, like, I don't know what it is, but there's some spots there. Great. So they're concerned right now about, like, the ovary and the cyst, and then passively are like, by the way? Yeah. So they start running more tests. It, it looks like cancer. So I was, so, like, we're admitting you to the oncology floor. So I'm like, okay, this is awesome and we had been there the year before um so i was in the cafeteria like the next day just trying to eat something and i saw the doctor that was there i'm like hey um her family's from seattle should i have them come out here he's like that's your call but it doesn't look good i'm really sorry in the cafeteria i'm like i just wanted a fork like what right okay so he goes it's it's you know, it, it is, it's, it's cancer. Like we need a biopsy to make sure that it's the same, but it's like, okay. So I went back up to her room and she was sleeping and I had spent, you know, I'd spent the days with her. Whenever she was in the hospital, I would sleep in the little pullout couches that they would have. And so I sat on the edge of her bed and waited for her to wake up and she woke up and I said, I just talked to your doctor downstairs and she's like, Okay. And I'm like, I don't want to tell you this, but I kind of have to. 
and she looked. I said, he said, it's cancer. It came back. It's in your liver. And so, you know, of course, emotion ran wild. And So you're sharing this news with her. I'm the one that told her. So, you know, we, all right, let's get the doctors going. Where's our oncologist? Let's, let's get this moving. So they ran the tests and they did a liver biopsy and it was the same strain of breast cancer that she had. It reoccurred in the liver, metastasized to the liver. So more scans just happened at this point. So we're now late November. And so the scans came back. It was also in her pelvis and spine. Great. What do we do? So her oncologist was at a conference. So she conferred with um, some of her colleagues there and came up with a plan of an oral chemo to go. So she was in the hospital for about a week. So the pain and the ovary, the ovarian cyst kind of took care of itself. Um, so that was no longer the, the issue. Right. So, but as she's recovering, as the pain subsided, she would do. And so after hearing this devastating news, she was still laughing. Mm-hmm. Still, she's like, all right, I have to do my laps around the floor. Mm-hmm. So the oncology floor, four laps is a mile. Okay. Um, so she would, she's like, I want to do four. And then it was six and then it was eight. Her highest was 16. Wow. Um, and we would just do the laps and she'd wave to the nurses as she went by, dragging her IV pole and just with her cup of water mm-hmm. at every, um, it was every monitor that was showing heart rate. She would stop and take a drink. Yep. Just that was, that's what she did. She was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then there was a view. If you stopped at one window, you could see uh, the city way in the distance. So she would stop there. And she's like, this is my view. She's like, I hate, but I love this view. Mm-hmm. And that's what she she would just do the loops. Wow. Um, and I spent the whole week there with her. And then they're like, all right, your pain's under control. You have a plan with your oncologist. Let's go home. And again, the new normal. You know, what do we do now? It's like, all right, we got this. We're together. We can do this. You know, stage four is a lot scarier, but we can do this. Glenn, thank you again for sharing such a beautiful picturesque landscape of your wedding and the admiration for Carenza. The two of you continue to be beautiful kindred spirits. On Monday, we will be sharing the final episode of this series, The Realities of Stage 4 Breast Cancer for Carenza. Thank you again for giving us the opportunity to celebrate this beautiful soul that we have fallen in love with.